0: Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. This has kind of been our key verse here. We are continuing our discussion on grace. Continuing our discussion on grace this week. And there's been a few things that we've looked at, but let's look at this verse together. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned, through the one, the one man being Adam. Adam, because he sinned, because he fell away from God and God's command, he disobeyed the word of the king. Amen. That's simply what sin is. Because of that, death reigned, took control, took dominion through him, and through his action. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Notice how grace... Transfers authority. Grace transfers authority. If you've ever wondered what grace is or why we need grace, um, that's what we are answering in this series because we have said this that uh, until we really have clarity on a subject, we can't really properly walk in it. I can't operate in the grace of God until I fully know the grace of God. I, I can't walk in everything that God wants to abound towards me in grace. If I don't really know what it's all about. And so, you know, we have seen a um, dissection of this take place, this particular subject, you know, recently in, in our society and in churches. And uh, we have walked away from what true grace is. Um, be, and just to be honest with you, grace brings responsibility. I mean, anything you learn about brings responsibility. Responsibility comes with knowledge, but. Uh, if we truly understand what grace is and what grace does, um, we'll find out that it actually makes us responsible for something. And um, but it, it makes us responsible for something awesome. Everything that God has created us to be, everything that God has created you to do, on the face of this planet. You know, uh, people kind of get um, you know square eyed with me when when I make this statement. But every single per every single person on the face of the planet has the same. Purpose. Now I know what you're all thinking. You're thinking, well, I, I'm a teacher, or I'm an engineer, or I'm a farmer, or I'm a mechanic, or you know this or that. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. So how do I have the same purpose? Well, you've just identified assignment. But even though we may have different assignments, there's one overall purpose, and that is to rule this earth as God rules heaven. God placed you here for dominion. Not to be controlled, but to control, to take charge. Genesis 1, he placed us in the garden and he said, let me, I'm going to create man in my image and in my likeness to function like me, to operate like me. Why? Because I'm going to give them dominion over all the earth, fish of the sea, birds of the air and over all the earth. That's why you're here is to control and dominate The earth that God has placed in our hands. Well, when we fell, when man fell, and when one man sinned, we all sinned, okay? So when Adam sinned, we were all born into sin. We were separated from the ability to rule. You weren't separated from heaven. You were separated from your control over the earth. That's what you have been separated from. And there's only one way to get you back in the position to rule once again. And that's called righteousness. That's called right standing. No one has dominated this earth. No one has ever brought heaven to earth without first being righteous. They had to be righteous. They had to be counted as righteous. And those are the men, when when, when all of earth was sinning terribly and God makes the drastic decision, I'm going to wipe the face of the planet from man with a flood. What did he look for? A righteous man. A righteous person. But God had to find a way to bring us into righteousness, back into citizenship in his kingdom, because you can't rule a kingdom that you're not a part of. You can't have dominion in a kingdom that you've been separated from. And that's what sin did. We all have heard that terminology. Sin equals separation. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is Death. It always pays out in death. And even though I may not die physically, immediately the first time I sin, like Adam and Eve did it, there's a death. There was a separation that came between who? Between between the one who's supposed to have the dominion and the one giving the instructions. And immediately, immediately a death and a separation takes place between Adam and Eve, and God. Well, I can't rule the earth if I'm not subject to God. That's the first thing that gets removed from you. If you can't submit, you can't rule. If you can't obey, you can't control. You can't give commands if you can't obey commands. And so immediately sin comes in and separates. So we've taken a look at this that God hates sin. Okay, we've seen it. God hates sin. But God knows how to hate sin and love the sinner. That's the great thing about God. That's the problem that we have. We're the ones that struggle with separating the sin from the sinner. Well, I can't be around you. I can't hang around you. I can't believe you would do that. You're such a sorry piece of trash. When you get it right, come to me. And that's not what God said. It's not what the Word says. My Bible tells me that even while I was still a sinner... Christ died for me with no guarantee that any of us would ever accept him. And believe you me, there are many people dying and going to hell, not by God's fault, their own, because Jesus has already paid the price. He's already supplied the grace. And so uh, we've been taking a look at this picture of what grace does. We see here in Romans chapter five, verse 17, that grace is what is necessary for us to get back in God's original intent for mankind. This is how God originally designed us. This is how he designed us to operate and function in the earth. And sin keeps you from functioning like God created you to. That's ultimately what sin does. It takes away your purpose. Does sin send you to hell? Sure. But there's something far worse than that. Living hell on the earth. Living like hell. When God has created you to bring heaven. Okay, so I'm not talking about hell and heaven. This series has nothing to do with hell and heaven because God's original intent had nothing to do with hell and heaven. Adam and Eve were not wandering around the garden trying to, you know, when is Jesus coming back? I don't want to go to hell. When's he coming to save me? They never had that conversation. Okay? That happened as a result of man's failure, and so God has always been in motion, how do I get man back to me? Not heaven, How do I get them back to me in the earth so they can rule over it and have dominion on it like I placed them there to do? Look at uh, Galatians chapter 3. Now, if you missed last week, we talked about the law. It's a three-letter word we don't like to bring up in the church. The law. And the law did one thing for us. It revealed that you're a sinner. We said this last week that the law could only bring identification, but it could not bring sanctification. What's sanctification? That means it sets you apart. But all that the law did was show you this is right and this is wrong. But Romans chapter 8 tells us that the law was weak in that it couldn't cure us of our sin. It couldn't make us different. So we needed something to finish or accomplish or complete the work. And Jesus says, in uh, I believe it was John chapter 5, uh, no, it's uh, maybe it was Matthew chapter 5. We said it last week. He said, I have not come to abolish the law. So we think Jesus came and that freed us from ever having to you know, live by the book. No, you know, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. What the law came to do, I am working with the law now to finish that work in you. And that's where grace shows up. So grace doesn't relieve us from the um, responsibility of living by the law. It helps us live by the law. Grace has shown up to say all these things that you failed at before. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. All that stuff you couldn't do before. I've shown up to help you do all that. I can help you not murder. I can help you not steal. I can help you not kill. I can help you not uh, bear false witness. I can help you love the Lord your God with all your heart. God isn't trying to get rid of commands. He just likes to summarize things. You know, we saw last week, there's over 630 Old Testament laws and commands. How in the world are we supposed to live by all that? So Jesus breaks it down. Just love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Why? If I love God, I won't steal. If I love God, I won't kill. If I love God, I won't murder. If I love God, I won't commit adultery. If I love God, I won't put any other gods before him. He just summarizes everything. He hasn't gotten rid of all that stuff back there. He says, if you do this, you'll do that. He's not trying to get rid of anything. And so look here in Galatians chapter 3. i want to start with verse 11. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. What does that mean? That the law couldn't make you right by itself. For the just shall live by faith, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. See, I I think some Christians like to to read it this way. Christ has redeemed us from the law. (laughs) But it doesn't say that. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Of the law. What was the curse? That which it was weak to do. It could not save me, it could only identify the problem. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Through faith. I want to read this to you in the in the New Living Translation, backing up to verse 10, it says, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree through Christ Jesus. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ became the curse so we could become his. Today I want to talk to you about paid in full. Paid in full. Because we have this problem now of trying to obtain grace. Now that we have heard that sin is terrible, and sin is in you, but God loves you, but he needs to separate the thing that he hates from the thing that he loves, so he needs to find a way to get the sin out of you, and now that we've learned that the law only identifies sin and sin nature, but can't actually save me, how do I get grace? How do I grab a hold of Of this grace. I need this grace, right? The first thing we had to do is identify we got a problem. Right? You can't help people that don't realize they've got a problem. First thing you got to do is admit, I've got a problem. I have a sin nature. It doesn't want anything to do with what God wants. But I want to do what God wants. But I've got to separate the thing that doesn't want to do what God wants from the thing that does want to do what God wants. Well, the law doesn't fix that for us. So we need Jesus to show up who has come to fulfill the law. The thing that the law could not do, Jesus has come to fulfill it. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now, that's a scary verse for all of us because we think, man, I, I just sinned last night. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of, Of the devil. The works of the devil. What is that? Causing you to sin. He has come to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to get you out of the earth and get you to heaven. He came to destroy the works of the devil right here in planet earth. That's why he's come. So Jesus has come and done a work. Has already achieved something that we have been trying to obtain. And so we've got to learn how to grab a hold of this. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. So if you don't have that with you, you can just look on the screens and read along. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Do you know that God has a standard of living? God has a way of life. And if you live according to his way, I mean, I I love how it's broken down. Here's the book. This outlines everything you need. And if you do what it tells you to do, you'll be blessed. If you don't do what it will tell you to do, you'll be cursed. Anyone ever bought a car? Anyone have a car? Own a car? That thing came with a manual. And so if you don't want to read the manual, if you don't want to look at what's in there and do what it tells you to do, your car will be cursed. (laughs) Right? But if we take the manual and we read it and we identify it's telling me what to do, it's telling me right from wrong. And if I do what it tells me to do, I will be blessed. A blessed life comes from obeying the word of the God. That's what the word of God. That's what we said last week. What I do with the word determines what the word does for me. What I do with this determines what this will do for me. This wants to do something for me. As outlined. Now, the life that I was living before I came to Christ, all this was was just a book. With a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I couldn't do any of it on my own. But now we're finding out that the requirement of the law is fulfilled when I live for Jesus. Yet Godly, like God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. See, he became the curse. I, I, I like... Um, You know, what one person said that he became what we couldn't get rid of. I couldn't get rid of the sin on my own. So he became the sin and therefore destroyed sin. He took on not just people's sins, but he became sin, embodied sin on that cross, paid the price in full. There's nothing left over. You don't have to pick up the tab. You don't have to leave a tip. He took care of all of it. And all we have to do is accept Jesus and what he did for us. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For, <clears throat> for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. Isn't it amazing that God was looking ahead the entire time? This is not something he had to scramble together at the last minute. You know, that verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11, we all know it. For, the, for I know the plans that I have. Aren't you glad that God plans things out? God is a planner. God looks ahead. He's prepared. He's, he's not just, you know, trying to figure out how to run this thing. How do I, how do I get them back with me? How do I get, you know, I, I designed them to do this, but now they're doing this, so I better work up something real quick. No, he's got plans, and he uh, made these plans way before you and I even showed up. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just and declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Look at Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty one. Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty one. It says this for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? So I can go to heaven. So I can be free from hell. So I can have an excuse. No, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here's the most exciting part. When you accept Jesus as your Lord, make him your Lord, confess him, a binding contract, a binding agreement to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Through faith, not because of the law, not because I did anything, but because I believed in him. I'm now made righteous. The very thing that God needs me to be so I can do what he's called me to do. I got to be righteous. That's the one thing that's been missing this whole time. And the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Jesus. That's exciting because now when God looks at me, he doesn't see me and all my faults and failures and pasts. You know who he sees? Jesus. He sees his only begotten son, the one who is blameless and spotless before him, the one that's never sinned, the one that's never messed up, the one that got it right 100% of the time. He sees you. We said this last week, that the only passing score on God's test is 100%. He doesn't accept 99. He doesn't accept a high A or a low A. He doesn't accept pass or fail. He only accepts 100. But you and I, we haven't gotten 100. We messed up probably within the first day. Somewhere, somehow, you and I have blown it. In fact, you were born into sin, so you blew it. The second you came out, you were on a road of decay and death and separation. Amen. But now when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus, the one that got it right every single time. Amen. And so I have to learn now to identify not with me, but with Jesus, I heard uh, one minister put it this way, I have to get introduced to my new self, (laughs) my new identity. I've got to get introduced to who I am now in Christ Jesus. And that's what God wants to do. I mean, if you back up here to verse 17, it says, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means you got to learn new stuff. There's a new way of life. You've got to be acquainted with, get acquainted with, come to know your new self, your new identity. Amen. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. So when God looks at you, He doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. Amen. Someone that's never messed up. This is the power of grace. This is how grace operates in our lives. Uh, Look at... Um, I want to go down to Romans chapter five, verse six. Romans chapter five, verse six. It says, "For when we when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died." For the ungodly. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man. Someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Hallelujah. Look at this in the New Living Translation. For when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. See, it's no longer how I see myself. I've got to learn how God sees me. Most of where we're failing in life is not uh, in how we're living, but it's the perception of our lives. Do you perceive yourself? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Well, I'm just a broke down old sinner, you know. Thank God, God saved me, and He's saving me every day. And He's just got to, you know, got to get rid of all this past and all that. And God's saying, quit reminding me of stuff that I don't even know about anymore. I'm not even think. I don't see that anymore. I see the righteousness of God. I see someone that's equipped to go forward. Quit looking backwards, is what God is saying. We've got to see this. It's the sight of God. He sees you covered in the blood. That means that he does not see all the stuff that kept you from doing your purpose. He sees you as someone that can now fulfill the very thing you were called here to do. That's what grace does. Grace has opened up a door for me to walk into the very thing God created me to be. That's what grace is all about. Grace is a picture of the love of God, not the goodness of men. Grace is a picture of the love of God, not the goodness of men. I heard uh, a minister who actually wrote a phenomenal book that I've pulled quite a bit from for this series. His name's uh, Tony Cook. He was a dean out at Raymond Bible Training Center while I was there. And he's now doing itinerant ministry. We've had him down in St. Augustine a few times. And uh, he brings forth this story to really demonstrate what grace is. And uh, anyone remember the Dennis the Menace cartoon? And Dennis and his friends uh, were leaving uh, their neighbor's house or their neighbors again. Mr. Wilson and Mrs. Wilson. Mrs. Wilson gave them some cookies. You know Dennis the Menace. I mean, he's he's not real. He's a menace. (laughs) That's who he is. Not really deserving of cookies all the time. And his friend looks at Dennis and said, what do we do to deserve these cookies? And Dennis looks to his friend and says, Mrs. Wilson didn't give us these cookies because we're good. She gave us these cookies because she's good. And that's the picture of God. God demonstrated his love toward us. That while we were still sinners, while we were still living undeservedly, he extended grace and mercy to us so that we could be what? Made righteous. Made righteous, not because we're good, but because he's good. That's why we sing songs like great. Are you, Lord? Great is our God. Our God is greater. Amen. Why? Because he's a good God, because he came to save you and separate you from the very thing that was keeping you separated from him. So that we can live the glorious life that he has promised us. Look at Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. Hallelujah. Any of you moms got Mother's Day plans today? Going to lunch, mowing the grass. Oh, okay. And uh, Lisa's not here to defend herself, so we can all get with the other side. <laughs> Oh, did somebody else say that? Okay. Uh, all right. Mowing the grass. What he meant was, I'll be mowing the grass while she's inside getting her spa treatment, catching up on the week's soap operas, or whatever y'all do. Amen. Whatever. <laughs> I hope that somebody's playing something great for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Didn't realize that'd be such a touchy subject. guess on Mother's Day it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of... Isn't it so awesome to know that you've been chosen? Adopted. Hand-picked. I mean, you know, know, like my dad used to say, I brought you in this world. I can take you out. But it's something else to know. I hand-picked you. I chose you. Amen. In me, before the foundations of the world. Before this thing even got started, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, he chose you and not just chose you in him, but chose you in him to be like him. He chose you in him to be like him, holy and without spot, without wrinkle, blameless before him, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. This is what grace supplies to us. The price has been paid. Jesus took care of it on the cross, and now we can walk as blessed people. Not lacking. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Why are we walking around beat down? Why are we walking around, uh, you know, anxious and worried and concerned and under the control of sin when He freed us? Those that operate in the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness should be reigning in this life. Not beat down. If you're reigning, that means things don't tell you what to do. Sin doesn't rule us anymore. Sin doesn't dominate us anymore. I just can't help it. You can. You just need to get in grace. Get in grace. Grace will fix it. Grace has fixed it. And we just know how we just need to know how to apply it. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to read this one in the New Living. Ephesians chapter 2 in the New Living. Verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience in your many sins. Verse 2. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. See, that's why he says the greatest way to ward off the enemy is to submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. See, we love the resist part. But we're not so fond with the submit part. See, I have to submit to the work of grace. Grace doesn't just work just because Jesus paid the price. Grace works in those who work it, who use it, who put it to work. Because he's the spirit who works in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy. I love that. But God, because he's good, not because we're good. And he loved us so much, how much that he gave his only begotten son. We talked about that. That even... Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 7, verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. What's that mean? You're in charge once again. You're back in charge. You're in control. You have dominion. You have authority. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. This morning, I want you to understand that grace is not a picture of your goodness. Grace is a picture of his goodness. Grace is a picture of what he has done, what he has supplied. Even when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But what he has supplied for us when we were sinning is to set us free from sinning any longer. Look, we've identified that God hates grace. Or God hates sin. God hates sin. He knows that sin will destroy. Sin will tear down the very purpose that He has for your life. Sin is the one thing that separates. But He has paid the price to be redeemed from sin. Not just hell. Not just the devil. In fact, let me let you know, if you're in the kingdom of God, you no longer need to be set free from the devil. You need to be set free from yourself. You no longer need to be set free from the works of the devil because he's destroyed the works of the devil. You need to be set free from the works of your flesh. Grace is what supplies that to us. Grace is what gives that to us. Grace is what makes that available to us. To live the very purpose and destiny that God has created us to be. Father, we thank you this morning that you have created us with such an awesome purpose. Such an awesome destiny. And even though when sin crept in and separated us and tore us apart from your will, from the very life that you created us to live, Father, I thank you. You have supplied grace to us. Grace as an extension of your love, as an extension of your mercy that empowers us to live differently than we lived before. And Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you have accomplished through your Son. And Father, I pray that we receive understanding of everything that's been made available to us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. We want to take up our tithe and offering at this time.